Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is the award-nominated User-Friendly 2.0, but we need you to vote. Yes, we've been nominated for an award. Today's the last day. Go to UserFriendlyNation.com slash vote and get out there. We're in the gaming and technology category. Winners will be announced July 31st. So hopefully we'll be in there. It's quite an honor to be nominated. We appreciate you for doing that, but please get on today and vote. It's your last day to do it. Got a great show coming up for you this week. Going to be looking ahead at a couple of different things here. And with no further ado, let's get into the news. Today's news is brought to you by the Meadowlark Mercantile, now open in Sherwood. Visit today for unique, funny, gift-worthy finds for you and your home. Visit TheMeadowLarkMercantile.com. So what's in the news this week? McDonald's hit by data breach? Yeah, so they've gotten hit Mm -hmm. too, although this one isn't as bad as some of the others. Looks like the bad actors, as they were, got into their system, were able to access information on some of the restaurant's capacity, that type of thing, as well as some employee information. Doesn't look like any customer information got out. And their security, they were able to cut it off pretty quickly. So this could have been a lot worse. They're having a company investigate it and looking into what actually happened here. But security, big deal. We've been hearing about this all the time. Ransomware, on and on. Definitely, definitely important to secure your system. So it's a good thing they were able to cut it off before it became anything too terrible. Microsoft will end Windows 10 support in October 2025. Well, this is advance notice. Slightly. <laughs> kind of. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So we've got four years to go. Windows 11 is coming out. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But Windows 10 does now have an end of life date. This also goes along with our Tech Wednesday this week, talking about using older software. Definitely on operating systems, you want to keep this stuff up to date. It's important to do that. So Windows 8, Windows 7, all that's a thing of the past now. And it's looking like Windows 10 very much safe to use for the next four years. But they are (laughs) definitely talking about the idea of phasing this out in October of 2025. Telesurgery becoming a reality. So explain what exactly is telesurgery. Telesurgery is something that has been experimented with for a while. And what it is, is basically the ability where you have a person, patient that's being operated on in one location and the doctor performing the surgery in another. So where this would be useful is in places where you didn't have access to the medical expertise you might need, such as a place where war is going on, that type of a thing, but you wanted to perform the surgery remotely. Biggest barrier to entry on this has been speed and leg time and that type of thing, because obviously if you're performing surgery, you need the robotic apparatus that's doing it to respond exactly when you would make a movement or that type of thing as the doctor. And with connection speeds getting faster through things like Starlink and 5G and all the rest of this where you have internet connectivity in places where you couldn't get it before, this is actually something that could be very, very helpful and very much a benefit. I'm not sure I'd want to be the first person operated on, but if you need it and you couldn't get your surgery anywhere else, then I think I would change my mind. So is this done by uh, a human surgeon to a human surgeon, or is this like uh, that video that I saw of Tom Ellis being shaved by a robot? Uh, More of the Tom Ellis being shaved by a robot type idea. So 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 there's a robot doing the surgery on the on the patient 
and the doctor is controlling the robot uh, from far away? From a remote location. And that's exactly what it is. Wow. Okay. (laughs) I thought surgery was one doctor advising another. Okay. (laughs) Wow. Yep. No, this is a step beyond that. But, you know, you think about it. If you're in a place where there's a war or a place where you didn't have access to a specific kind of doctor, something like this actually could be very beneficial. It just as long as it works right. And I think that's been the biggest biggest issue, but it looks like they're getting it to a point where it does now. U.S. hit by 65,000 ransomware attacks in the last year. Yep. That's crazy. That. It is. That's a lot. That's intense. I heard about a lot of the high profile on this. Ransomware attack, for anybody that's not familiar, is where a bad actor gets into a computer system, usually at a business, locks it down, encrypts the data so that the business no longer has access to it, and then wants them to pay an exorbitant amount to release it usually by Bitcoin or something like that. We've talking about the equivalent of millions of dollars on this and 65,000 attacks in the last year. Really, this is something that really does need to be dealt with. And this has a lot to do with network security and all the rest of that type of thing. You're doing the cost benefit thing with a business where you want, you need to spend enough to where you're secure, but you don't want to overspend. But on the same token, what's overspending if it destroys your business? It's really creating a situation. One of the other things so, is, yep. I was just wondering, any idea why we're having so much of this? Is it, are, are, are people being sloppy with their systems or have we lost uh, the, the elite programmers because they've retired? What's, what is the problem? You know, I think the security people are definitely out there. It's a little bit more of the idea of you have a number of different things going on with distributed systems. They tend to be very complicated. And mm-hmm. in some cases, yes, the uh, companies are being weak and lazy. I is the word that I've seen for this about how they set things up. But the okay. reality of the situation is, is it's still possible to get in, even if everything's done correctly. It's just harder. Right. So, you know, there's nothing out there that's really hack proof. But the other part of it is, is because the ransoms are being paid, this is triggering that kind of a scenario where, oh, we got money from that. Let's get it from there. One of the positives that is going into this is the fact that the pipeline, we talked about this, I know, on a previous show, but it's worth talking about again here. The ransom that was paid on that, most of it has been able to be recovered, which does go to show that Bitcoin is not really anonymous. It is harder to track, maybe. But the thing of it is, is because these are being paid, it's triggering where it's becoming a value-added thing where, oh, people will pay in the millions of dollars to get their system back. And then you have the added thing that you have no idea the quality of the software that's used to encrypt or decrypt or if it'll even work, or frankly, even if you're going to get that decryption key if you pay the ransom. So, you know, the biggest thing here, having backups, having everything secured as much as possible, but now part of any good business policy is the ability that if you completely lose your network to be able to get it back in some way other than paying the bad guy's money. Windows 11 leaked online. Speaking of which... (laughs) <laughs> uh, actually, it is out there. Uh, it looks like it's on servers somewhere in Eastern Europe. Mm. So since we are able to see this now, Windows 11 looks like it's going to have a very different user interface than Windows 10. More almost like a Chromebook or something, kind of from what I saw of it. The entire oh. operating system is out there. It's, of course, not the final release. But it is interesting to see some of the stuff that Microsoft is coming up with here. And we're going to reach out to them and actually talk about some of the official what's going on with Windows 11. I have had a chance to look at some of this in depth and not from a illegal online copy either. And 
I have to say, because one of the biggest concerns and one of the questions we get in with all this is with how bad Windows 8 was and some of the other releases, is Windows 11 going to be, you know, another show where we have everything not working? And I don't think so. From what I I've hope seen, not. From what I've seen of this so far, it is going to be a change. There are a lot of differences with it. And not just stuff like the video and the graphics and the icons. A lot of that's being updated. But really how you interact with the computer and that type of thing. But it isn't a mess. And it's looking like something, while there will be a barrier to entry a little bit and having to learn something new, it's not going to be a Windows 8 scenario where it's going to be just not worth it. Hmm. Researchers build first modular quantum brain sensor. Yeah, so that's something out of Star Trek. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So the Borg would call this a a cortical node, by the way, uh, just if you want to have that reference. And the idea here is using a quantum computer, they're actually able to read thought patterns. And then you, with that sensor, be able to use that signal to do something Okay, so what could possibly go wrong here, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I so what, what, what's the useful part? I will speak to this from that standpoint, because quality of life and that type of thing is actually a big deal to being able to do this, is if you can't walk or something, but you can still send the signals, there's ways now to be able to read that and then have a cybernetic attachment work to respond to it. So you can restore movement and that type of thing. And is this type of technology continues to grow, and it's nothing brand new, this method of doing it is, I think that we're going to see a lot of times where people that are paralyzed or have difficulties in that realm can actually have their mobility restored. So from that standpoint, this is a very positive thing. Now, there's a whole list of other things that you may or may not be able to do with this, but, you know, I don't know. I've said this before. The cyborgs are coming. So let's just, uh, you know, hope that all that works out. This is User Friendly 2.0. We got a great show for you this week. Got a number of things coming up, including a special extended Q&A. We're going to be talking about the E3 video game show this week, as well as a few other things. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is user-friendly 2.0. Cookies or biscuits? Mm, uh, cookies for us, but biscuits for the Brits. You know, the, yeah, this was a joke that was sent to me on browser cookies. And it's like, I looked at it and the day that I got it, I was just exhausted. We'd been moving and stuff. And I, and I tried to reply like, you know, it was, it was a serious question. Um, <laughs> that was me that sent you that. So was you were it? really oh, tired. God, I was really yeah. out of it that day. So anyway, but back to what we're talking about here. There has been a lot Mm. in the news lately about Google wanting to kill third-party cookies. And we've had a number of questions, listener questions on this. So I thought, you know, let's talk about this a little bit and figure out what it is that they're even really doing here and talk about browsers and stuff a little bit, because it is actually a very good question. And I think the first thing that we should definitely look at is that there are actually two different kind of cookies. So what a cookie is, let's start there, is a bit of information that's stored on your computer in your web browser to tell the websites what you have done in the past with the internet. Hmm. Did that make any sense? Kind of nosy. 
That's yeah. kind of nosy, but yeah, yeah okay. So <laughs> two kinds of cookies that exist now. There's third-party and first-party cookies. So what we're talking about with Google wanting to kill this off is actually just third-party cookies. First-party cookies are what are used if you go to a website when you go back where it has your username or something pre-filled on it or something of that nature. That's not going away. Third-party cookies are what's of issue here, and that's how the people that do advertising track your internet use to be able mm. to send you advertising. Okay. So, so that's like when I check out an umbrella somewhere, and then for the next two weeks, all I see are ads for umbrellas. That's exactly how that works. Is that kind of Yeah, so I, I, I want that gone yesterday. Yeah, and a lot of people feel that way. <laughs> now, the other side of the argument, though, is for a lot of smaller companies, this would conceivably, at least the claim is, give Google a monopoly on being able to send ads because the smaller websites without third-party cookies conceivably could no longer be able to deliver targeted advertising. And there is a concern from that standpoint, which is why antitrust regulators, specifically right now in the UK, are looking at this. Hmm. So a couple of details on browser cookies that I think are interesting and do shed a little bit of light on this. First thing to realize is that there aren't really that many web browsers out there anymore. So no. Google Chrome is its own thing. However, browsers like Firefox, Internet Edge, or uh, Microsoft Edge, which replaces Internet Explorer, these browsers actually all run on the Chrome engine anyway. So and whether then there's another one, um, uh, Safari? Safari? Or Apple, yeah. Yeah, Apple Safari is one of the ones that is still unique. It okay. uses their own technology. And there's a few other ones like that out there still. But Safari, since you bring bring it up, actually killed third-party cookies a couple of years ago. Oh. No, and, and wow. The world has not fallen apart because this has been done. So Chrome wanting to do mm. this is actually following suit with what a lot of the other technologies have already done. And the other side of it is, is this is not going to eliminate advertising. I think it's also important to look at that. Without cookies, there will be other ways that they are going to track you online. And the thing of it is, is if you shut this off and all of that type of thing, it's not like the ads go away. It's just not targeted anymore. So some of the stuff that's interesting with this is Apple has really gotten lately into, and, and I actually very much appreciate this. And anyone that knows us or listens to the show knows that I'm not the biggest Apple fan, but credit where credit is due. They have really started to enhance user privacy. And their software, one of the things that it does do well is deal with this kind of stuff. And instead of automatically being opted into website tracking, you're now prompted for this. Facebook has had a huge problem with this because they're saying, well, we can't advertise and do our type of a thing. And it does seem like the majority of people are opting out from tracking. So from that kind of a standpoint, third-party cookies are already gone. In fact, Chrome is the last browser to support them. So having hmm. this go away, even though there's been a lot of look at this this stuff, I think actually isn't going to be the end of the world. And I also think that there will be a lot of other ways that third-party marketers will still be able to interact and sell their wares and that type of a thing. Now, as far as giving Google a lot more control over what is and isn't targeted, that's being reviewed. But Google's statement on it is, is that uh, right now, again, the UK is dealing with this, is that, okay, we're going to wait to actually push this update for a while. I think it's actually a year and a half now that they're delaying it. And wow. from Google's standpoint, that actually makes a lot of sense because if the antitrust regulators have looked at it and approved it before they do it, they're not going to have a problem with it on the back end, you know? Yeah. So from that kind of a standpoint, I kind of get where they're going with it. I think they're playing the game a little bit here, but that's fine for bigger companies. 
I don't know, Jeremy. Obviously, we've gotten your opinion on this that you don't like the tracking. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's I, I don't like the pop up ads or this, the you know the videos that auto start about oh come check out our thing or do this other thing. I mean, if if I'm on Facebook and I see something, and then I click on it to see more about it, I don't want to see fifty more ads because what if I hated the thing when I looked at it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's really un. I don't know what the. I don't know if it's unprofessional, but it is annoying. It's no, it is actually very annoying. I agree with you on that. I have the same thing with eBay. I'm just going to give the story since it happened. I am wanting to uh, upgrade the stereo in my car for having in dash navigation. So I've been looking at a number of different options on eBay. And it was the same type of thing. All of a sudden, I start getting all these ads <laughs> for various car stereos. And I had clicked on one yeah. that wouldn't uh, fit in my car, except now that model is being marketed, you know. Yeah. And uh, and to get out of it, just you don't look at it for a little while and it drops off because of the cookies. But that's an example. And the thing of it is, is at the end of the day, online privacy is really kind of not a thing. You know, we try to make it that way and securing bank accounts, credit cards. We've talked about that. and. Ernst on the show here, and and it's a huge thing because you don't want to get ripped off, and all the bad guys are figuring out a new way to do this, and they just love cryptocurrencies now and that type of thing because of how easy it is to just get the numbers and walk off with your money. But the reality is, if you're online, there is a certain amount of exposure that's just going to be there that the only way to do away with would be to physically unplug your computer from the internet, which would limit, obviously, a lot of stuff you can do. So yeah, I, yeah. I do applaud Apple on this one. I think that the idea of designing software with user privacy in mind is a good thing, but I don't think it's ever going to completely eliminate all of this. Not having the ad tracking, I don't know. You got to know they're going to figure out a what new way to do it. They really are. Something. But anyway, that's what we're dealing with. That's what all of that's about. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. You know, in our world of gaming and technology, this last week we had the show E3. For anybody that doesn't know what that is, it's a gaming expo where they present and kind of put their best foot forward on all of the different video games. Bill Snodgrass isn't with us this week, but normally he would talk about this. And I know we've talked about this in the past with him, that there isn't a great deal of wonderful stuff going on right now, at least in our opinion. (laughs) We'll talk about some of the news that came out of this. So it went from Saturday the 12th and finished out last Tuesday, and they covered a number of different things. I mean, there was content there. I think one of the bigger ones that's kind of interesting, and we've talked about this in the past, is uh, CG Project Red's Cyberpunk 2077, which has been an interesting thing to say the least, was released, had a lot of bugs. Sony dropped it off their market completely. Microsoft kept it with a warning. The game is supposed to be fixed now and is supposed to be available on the PlayStation uh, this Monday. So hopefully that'll come out. I like their stuff. I'm looking forward to the next Witcher release. And hopefully this will be good. I know it kind of jolted us because I got the game on my PC where it does seem to work. And then Mm -hmm. after all these problems, stopped playing it and just kind of never got back into it. So some of the other things that I thought were kind of cool. Avatar Frontiers of Pandora. Uh, Avatar game that's coming out here, obviously. The trailer's up. It looks like it's going to be really cool. It's very beautiful, like the movie. So cool. it's definitely something uh, worth checking out. 
Some of the other things that happened that were announced in uh, some of the different parts of this, there was a showcase for different games for Xbox. They're coming out with some new things. A new trailer for Halo Infinite was on there. game called A Pirate's Life, uh, Sons of uh, Sea of Thieves update. Some different things from that standpoint. We're going to see a lot of different releases. Now, one of the things that's interesting is we're still now in June, and it's still not easy to get a, one of the new video game consoles. So oh. what's happening is your releases, you know, if it's PlayStation 5 or the new Xbox One X, well, if you don't have the hardware, you can't play the game. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that makes it kind of hard, yeah. It's going to be interesting to see where that's going. Warner Brothers Games has uh, Back for Blood uh, coming out, new trailer available on that, which is online. So number of different directions that they're going within all that kind of stuff. You know, and a lot of this was presented kind of from a standpoint of a keynote and then dug into all these different things. I definitely think for me, I'm going to have a lot more appreciation when I can actually go to E3 next year. Yeah, I mean, I'm not having to watch everything online. Yeah, you do the best you can with that. And of course, it's been a very weird year for everything. But there is a difference between going to a conference and and kind of reading about it, even if it's live videos. Well, there's there's like an energy in the air. Yeah, uh, you can feel people's excitement or or concern. You know, like are people going to like our product? You know, and there there is there's just this feeling in the air. It's like going on a vacation. Right, right, and that's exactly what it is. You know, so some of the other things is I saw a few names here that are from the past. Atari System is actually releasing this week. Finally, you can buy it. Uh, mm-hmm. You can actually order it on Best Buy's website and a number of the other big boxes, and there's some other places you can go for it too, but I know Best Buy was one that did have it in stock. So this is a new system which is designed to be a console and also run your television. You can do a lot of other stuff to it. It's a kind of a throwback to the original Atari VCS from the early 80s. Certainly a lot more powerful machine, but that's out there now. Another name I saw was Intellivision. Really? Wow. This this, uh, name goes back to Mattel Electronics again in the early 80s. Doesn't look like they're doing the hardware, but they are starting to release games. I've asked a couple of times to find out if there's a direct connection between Intellivision now and the original one, and nobody seemed to know, including Intellivision. So (laughs) (laughs) that's curious. So, you know, that's a, a detail I guess we will find out as we move forward. So, like I said, the conference wrapped on Tuesday, June 15th, and on that day, we got a lot of different things. There was an award show, list of winners came out for a lot of the different games, most anticipated of E3 for 2021, some interesting thing on that if you want to check it out. Nintendo has some new announcements. One of the ones that I do think I'm going to get is they're dropping a new game, Breath of the Wild 2, which is a new version for the Zelda franchise. Mm-hmm. which is something that I really like, and I do like Nintendo's product on this. It looks like something that'll actually be kind of cool and probably take a lot of my time that I don't have, but it's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the trailer looks really cool, and it's definitely something to go on and check out from that uh, from that standpoint. So I don't know. That was E3 this year in a nutshell. I could do a lot better with it, I think, if we'd actually been there. So for 2022... We'll definitely be looking forward to doing that. But at least they were able to have the conference and talk about some of the new things that's going out, even if there wasn't a lot of content to do it. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break.
Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We've got an extended Q&A for you this week. This is where you submit questions and we attempt to answer them. How do you submit your questions? Good questions to start with. Call us 503-766-6264. That's a 24-hour number where you can leave us a message and we will return your call. The other way to do it is on social media, one user-friendly on Facebook or Twitter, userfriendlynation.com on our website. All right, what questions do we have this week? Take it away. What is lambda? I thought it was a Greek letter. It's supposed to be, but obviously that's not what this is about. No, you're right. It's not. A listener question here, actually a valid one, because you see this a lot of times. You probably aren't going to run into this unless you do cloud hosting or programming or kind of get into these areas. But this is something that is connected to Amazon Web Services. It's a service they offer that allows for you to be able to set up a website without the need for a server host. So to dig into that just a touch deeper, you would use this in a situation where you had static content, stuff that needed to be accessed maybe a lot, but didn't want to actually have to go through the trouble, support, and all the cost, too, of setting up an actual server to host it. This is a service that allows you to be able to do it. To get into more detail on this, there's a lot of classes and a lot of good online documentation. But again, this is not something you're going to run into unless you're setting up web hosting and need to be able to deal with this type of a format. What is the difference between cloud hosting providers? Yeah, question from the same listener. I have a feeling this individual might be trying to host a website. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Yeah. So there's a lot of different options out there. Some of the big ones are things like Rackspace, Amazon Web Services that we just talked about. Google offers a product called Firebase, and there's a lot of different ones out there. There's a lot of small companies that offer hosting. And really what it comes down to is what you need for it to do. So on a very 10,000-foot level, most of the hosting providers offer the same thing as far as requirements to be able to put up files, to host a website, and be able to do that well. When you get into some more specific functions like machine learning, databases, different things like that, that's when you're going to start seeing a difference and where some of the bigger providers actually offer things that you might specifically need that some of the small ones aren't able to give you. These are things like automatically being able to convert a video upload to a certain format, things like CloudEdge, where you have your sites available on different parts around the world at specific locations. So checking all of this out actually does make a lot of sense. And my feeling on it is, is just if you're doing your own website and trying to figure out your own thing, Go with a provider that you're comfortable with, but just make sure that they have the functions and features that you need and also look at the cost. Why does rebooting a router restore internet connectivity? Yeah, this is another listener question. It's actually a very good one. When your internet stops and you call your provider, a lot of times the first thing they'll do is restart your router or we'll do it for you. Sometimes they can do that remotely now, but why does that work? Well, the reason being is 90% of your problems like this are fixed by turning it off and on again, whatever it may be. So rebooting the computer, rebooting the router, that type of thing. And the reason that that works is a router specifically is a small computer. It has its own operating system built in. And when you first turn it on, it comes up in clean mode and does what it's supposed to do. But as it's been on for a while, you can have stuff that goes wrong that will stop the internet from working, devices being able to connect, or other problems that you could see on a router. So when you restart it, what you're actually doing is rebooting it to clean mode again. And when it's back into clean mode, it should work. And most of the time that will solve most common problems with the router. 
But that's why that works. It's just like restarting your computer. What on earth happened to Google Hangouts? Yeah, we were wondering that all ourselves this morning, too. They have been making some changes. So I, I don't know, and, and this is not a news segment, so I can offer my opinion. I like the way it worked better before. Yeah. Um. So back towards the beginning of the year and before that, you had Google Fi, which is our cell phone carrier. Hangouts, Meet, Rooms, all this other stuff was just part of your Gmail. And you could go to it and it all worked together and you could send texts and do the different things that you would do, messages and on and on. And earlier this year, they broke Fi out of Google's Hangouts. So now all of a sudden you have to go to a different web app to be able to send and receive text messages. And it seems like recently they've made a lot of other changes to Hangouts. Now, Hangouts does still exist. I checked, but it looks like it is being deprecated. And right now, what you do to set this up is instead of going to Hangouts, you go to Meets. Now, Meets offers some additional features, but the problem is it's a completely different interface. And where this got really frustrating is I just needed to get on and use it. And really, at that time, didn't want to have to learn something completely different. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it could be a real shocker if you're about to give a presentation to clients and you didn't realize how very different it is. Yeah, and it and it is. So instead of sharing your screen as a, for example, you're now a presenter, you know, different things like that. So I don't want to say at this point that I don't like Meet. I mean, it's probably fine, but it was just a little bit jarring uh, yeah. to have that mm. happen. Uh, so just be prepared, go on there. And if you do use Hangouts for meetings, maybe take a few minutes to learn how Meet works before trying to get on to your next meeting. Can you create CGI with a color other than green? All right. So get another and, listener question on, on movie production here, or video production. <laughs> so what we're talking about is the idea of a green screen or a blue screen. So already the question of that is yes. And you have didn't, this. Didn't Star Trek use orange? Star Trek used orange. Chroma key actually will work with any solid color. As long as your software is able to deal with the different backgrounds, and in a lot of bigger productions, you actually use more than one chroma key color. So what this is talking about is you have a color that's in your shoot, in your video, that you can then later with the computer drop out to put in a background or something else. This is commonly used with weather forecasts, the broadcast, when the weather person's up doing their thing, the screen would actually be a chroma key, like a green screen, and that's being swapped out in real time with the computer to see the weather map and the various other things that they're looking at. So definitely you can use it with any color. You just want to be sure that whatever color you do choose is not in the clothing or other things on the set, because that will be swapped out when you swap out the background color. Can I use 4K or 8K video with my desktop computer? Short answer on this is yes, absolutely. But, and there's always a asterisk, you know, footnote with these things. You have to have a computer that's capable of doing this. So your video card, your software, your processor, all that stuff would have to be capable of outputting 4K or 8K or even 16K video now. It is a thing for specialty use. (laughs) So on my machine, I do have to use 4K because I do a lot of video stuff and have to be able to edit in 4K. So in order to be able to do that, I had to get a high-end desktop. I used an Alienware uh, R11. I had to get the appropriate video card. The video card actually costs more than the computer. Uh, It was about $1,100 to be able to handle this. And then I had to get a 4K monitor, which was capable of that. Now, after this expense, uh, which I think was about two grand uh, in the end, not including the computer, it is kind of nice because the video card will support three monitors. 
So I actually have my two high-definition monitors, then I have put my 4K one in the middle. I can work across them. Once I got used to that much video real estate, it's become something that I've really enjoyed using. So yes, it is possible. Just be prepared to open the checkbook or get out your credit card because that's what you're going to need to do it. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Great show this week, guys. Yeah. yeah. So next week, we are going to have a return of somebody we've been missing for a while, Steve Mailer. He's going to be interviewing musical guest Denise Bridges. So I'm really looking forward to that. That's going to be a fun interview. One other thing, and we talked about this in the beginning of the show, is today is the last day for you to vote. We've been nominated for an award. Award-nominated show, but we need you to vote. Let's mm-hmm. see if we can win this thing. Userfriendlyshow.com slash vote or userfriendlynation.com slash vote will get you there, but you got to do it today. So go right now and do it, and then uh, get get in there. Our category is technology and gaming. So to wrap up the show this week, Gretchen, I know you, as we all have, is that we're starting to come out of the pandemic now, which is I'm really happy about. Mm-hmm. Dealing with a lot of stuff, working on your own, your house and that type of thing. I know that you ended up with a lot of tools to do art, and one of them's markers, and I know that's something that you wanted to talk about. Yeah, um, actually, um, a lot of my stuff has been packed up because I'm getting ready to do some other things, and so I was bored, and once in a while, I like to try out new markers, and this happened to be a box set of Crayola, you know, like the crayons, you know, for the kids, Right. and um, there's 16 markers in the box. And each side of the marker is um, is a different color. So you're getting quite a few markers for 20 bucks. Now, I remember at one of the Comic-Cons that we had um, purchased a few markers, like four of them, and that was 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the brand, but oh, they were a yeah. super spendy, high-end thing. But these actually work really well. Now... Um, I have a Strathmore sketchbook that's the 300 series. And so often with markers, I find that they bleed through and they screw up the paper. You know, the you, it looks fine on one side and then it bleeds through to the second sheet. These don't do that. I was like, cool. I was shocked, but it, it's a really nice shocked that they don't bleed through. And the colors are nice. And I've been experimenting with them. So you don't have to have super expensive stuff to be creative and have some fun. Yeah, I was going to say that because you would think of as Crayola as a brand for kids, and they uh, right. Yeah, yeah, your cat seems to agree with you there. So it's yes, yeah, yeah, she, she does. does. She's yeah, really, <laughs> really allowed today. Yes, we are still producing remotely. I think that's going to be the case for at least a couple more weeks here. But why not have our kitty's uh, interest? Represented. <laughs> oh, maybe she wants me to draw a picture of her. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. If you do, we'll have to go ahead and throw that out on the social media. But hey, we're looking at going back at some events. We've got some things coming up here that are going to be really cool. Black Hat is going to be our first feet on the ground event in a, for a year and a half in Las Vegas. We're also looking at a Comic Con down in San Jose at the end of August. So I'm looking forward to that. And until next week, this is User Friendly 2.0, keeping you safe on the cutting edge.
User-Friendly 2.0, copyright 2014 to 2021, User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. The views and opinions expressed on this show are those of the host and not necessarily User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensing by BMI. Hosting provided by wearetechnology.com. Podcast available at userfriendlynation.com, theanswerportland.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.